This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hi there, Dr. Jen Lincoln here. I can't come to the phone right now, but we'll likely have an opening later on. Please leave me a message and I'll be at your cervix. I mean, <laughs> service in no time. Welcome to the Let's Talk About Down There podcast. I'm your host, board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. And this week's episode is about the trouble with tampons, specifically getting them in. And what I'm going to talk about today isn't just about the trouble with getting tampons in, but why is this happening? What's going on? How can we get to feeling better? So let's take a listen to this week's question. Hi, Dr. Okay. Right now, I'm having a problem. I've never put a tampon in my vagina before, and I was trying to do that today, but I literally couldn't do it. I've been watching a lot of tutorials on YouTube, even one that was like 20 minutes long from another doctor, and I couldn't do it. It hurt so much and it was burning and I don't know what to do. I don't know if that's normal or not. I don't know what's happening because mm, I don't know. I'm scared. Well, not scared really, but I would like to have an answer to my problem because one, I've never put a tampon in my life and two, I haven't had sex before, so, and also I've never inserted anything into my vagina before, so I don't know what should I do, but would you recommend me? Thank you. So Anna, thank you so much for listening and for calling in with your question. And before I do jump into that, I do want to reiterate that I cannot make personalized diagnoses on this podcast, and it would be inappropriate for me to do so. But there are some things that you said here that are making my OBGYN's spidey senses go up and are making me suspicious about certain conditions. So I'm going to use your question this week as an opportunity to talk about a few of these things. First, I want to say thank you for being brave and for calling in. You are far from the only person who has had this kind of question, whether it's by calling in, emails, DMs, that kind of thing. A lot of people have experienced what you are describing in that you can't get a tampon in or you're having pain or other sensations like burning when you're trying to do that. And it may also not just be a tampon. It may be pain with sex or the inability to have sex because you feel like you're hitting a wall when you're trying to have a penis or something placed in your vagina. So you are far from the only one and you are not broken. This does not mean that you weren't made correctly or that you did something to mess something up. I've got a few ideas of what could potentially be at play. We're going to talk about them. And at the end of the day, what I want you to do is to go one step further and to seek care for this because you deserve to feel good, to not have to worry about when your period comes, if you want to use a tampon or when it comes time to have sex that you might not be able to do it. And so help does exist, help is out there, and I'm hoping that this episode today will help guide you into getting the help that you need. Second, we need to talk about my new favorite book that I actually used as a reference when I was prepping this episode. And I'm going to put the information in the show notes, but it's called When Sex Hurts, Understanding and Healing Pelvic Pain. And one of the authors there is a 
fun little internet friend of mine called Dr. Jill Kraff. She is a vulvar pain specialist at the Centers for Vulvovaginal Disorders in Washington, D.C. And the reason I'm mentioning her is because she is an amazing physician who puts out tons of good information about vulvar disorders and vulvar pain and pain with sex and pelvic pain on social media. So you can find her at Jill Kraff, that's K-R-A-P-F, M-D, on Instagram. And you can just do a quick Google, you'll find her there. But like I said, I'll also have her information in the show notes. And what's kind of funny is she sent me this copy of her book that she co-authored with some other really amazing people in the field of vulvar issues and pelvic pain. And this is the revised and updated edition. And she sent it to me and said, hey, would you want to take a look at it? Do you think you might be interested? And I said, oh, of course, absolutely. Like, you should see my bookshelf I have at home of all like my OBGYN books. And I put it on my desk and I didn't have a chance to look at it. And then when Anna's call came in, I thought, oh my goodness, this is exactly what I need to be checking out for answering this question. So combined with some other references that I'll have below, I do pull some information from this book. And if you are a healthcare provider who comes into contact with women and people with a vagina, this is a fantastic book, especially if when your patients walk in the door, they say, Dr. So-and-so, I'm having issues, sex hurts. And then you go, oh my goodness, this is a huge problem. I can't handle it. I'm going to refer you to a gynecologist. Not saying that's not the right answer, but this is a great way to show how to start systematically thinking through things. And if you're somebody who's having issues with sex, this is a fantastic resource because it breaks things down that are easy to understand. It's all evidence-based and it can help arm you with information when you walk into your appointments. So not making any money. This is not sponsored. I just think it's a great resource. So first, let's define some conditions that I'm thinking could be at play here with Anna. And I want to just explain them to you and break them down further. The first one is called vaginismus, though it has been rebranded and it does have a lot of names. So it can also be called overactive or hypertonic pelvic floor muscle dysfunction. And it can also be called genitopelvic pain and penetration disorder. That's a lot of different names. And I'm just going to stick with vaginismus for the purpose of this podcast because that's the easiest one to say out of all of them. It's just one word instead of all those words. But note that you may see it called different things in different books, magazines, medical literature, that kind of thing. So vaginismus is when all the muscles that surround the vagina spasm, and they're really hypertonic. So think of them as really clenched in really, you know, in a really kind of taut state. And so this makes penetration difficult or painful or just plain impossible. And it's also known as like hitting a wall. So for Anna, if she feels like when she tries to get the tampon in, it feels like it's hitting a wall, that could be vaginismus. And while it's called vaginismus, and I've talked about the muscles surrounding the vagina, this doesn't just affect the vagina though, because these muscles that are in the pelvis, they're like a sling. Think of it like a sling of muscles or a bowl of muscles that go around the vagina. They go around the urethra. That's the tube that goes from the bladder. That's what you pee out of. And also around your your rectum, where you poop out of. So all of these things are sort of enmeshed together. And so that means that issues with these muscles that absolutely can make sex or inserting a tampon difficult can cause other issues too. Issues like constipation, because in order to poop, muscles have to relax. It can also cause issues with emptying your bladder. You might feel like you need to pee all the time, or when you try to pee, only a little bit comes out, or you feel like you really have to sit there a long time before your muscles relax enough and you're able to release urine. And yes, it can also cause burning of the vulva, which also has lots of different terms, but the one I'm going to use here is called generalized vulvodynia. So let's talk about that next. Vulvodynia, also known as generalized vulvodynia, 
also known as genitopelvic dysesthesia. And yeah, we're going to leave that in so you can hear just how hard it was for me to say that. And is also why I'm just going to say vulvodynia. So this condition is when you are having vulvar pain. So that's the outside. Remember, the vagina is the tube on the inside. The vulva is what we see on the outside. That includes the things like the lips, aka the labia minora, the majora. So vulvodynia is when you have vulvar pain, even when you're not having sex. And that means that, yeah, it could also hurt when you're trying to insert something like a tampon, but it can also hurt at other times. For example, just walking around wearing clothes. And this happens from those same pelvic floor muscles being severely tightened, or it could also be due to injury of the nerves in the area that live in the pelvis, like the pudendal nerve, or it could be both of these together, both messed up tight pelvic floor muscles and nerve injury all together can cause vulvodynia. So these two can run together. But let's go back now to vaginismus and talk more about what it is, how it's diagnosed, and how it's treated. So again, remember I said vaginismus is when those muscles around the vagina are spasming, hypertonic, kind of like you're hitting a wall. And what's really happening at the basic level here is that these pelvic floor muscles, they're tense, they're contracted, and they're shortened. Because think about when you make a muscle, right? Like I'm doing right now, I'm contracting my bicep muscle. When you do that, it shortens up, right? And I can look at that and say, oh yeah, that muscle is shortened up and now I'm relaxing. That's very easy to do, right? But your pelvic floor doesn't work like that. Your pelvic floor is made up of that sling of muscles that are all interwoven, like I mentioned before. And they have quite the dance that they have to do in order to function. At the same moment, sometimes they need to contract. Sometimes they need to relax to let things out when they should come out. For example, like when you need to pee and empty your bladder. And also sometimes they need to hold things in when stuff shouldn't come out. Let's say like gas. And sometimes you have to do both at the same time. Like you've got to relax certain muscles so that you can have penetrative vaginal sex. But you also have to make sure you're contracting your sphincters so that you don't pee or poop at the same time. Like, I know that you probably haven't thought about all of this or exactly like this before, but your muscles are doing a lot and you're not even thinking about it on a conscious level, right? For the most part, we don't think about what our pelvic muscles are doing. You don't think when you put a tampon in, okay, I have to relax these muscles, put it in, or when I have sex, I have to do this. And hold this muscle so I don't pee. Like, no, this normally happens in the background. And when it's not causing us any issues, it works beautifully. So let's get back to vaginismus and what happens to these muscles when they can't relax and they're really tight and contracted. That means they can't get good blood flow to them. This means then that there's less oxygen going to these muscles and your muscles need oxygen to work. So what happens instead is they can't get oxygen to do the work they need. And they also can't have the lactic acid, which washes away. You know how when you're sore the next day and you're feeling like, oh my goodness, my muscles are sore. That's all that lactic acid buildup. So when your muscles can't relax and you've got all this lactic acid stuck in them, it causes that burning raw pain. And you guessed it, that same acid production can also cause inflammation in that same area, which can cause more pain. And you guessed it, it's a cycle. And sometimes we even see parts of the vulvar skin looking red and inflamed because of this, because that lactic acid isn't being drained out. Those muscles are really tight and taut. And it's like a hot mess down there, right? news is that diagnosing vaginismus usually can be pretty straightforward. It involves taking a good history and understanding what's been going on, 
and doing a physical exam that's actually pretty straightforward if you know what to look for. And I'm going to say that's a big if. I will pause here and say that in my medical training, I was very lucky. I worked with phenomenal doctors and midwives and healthcare providers, and there was a specific subset of gynecologists in my training program that this is what they specialized in, in vulvovaginal disorders. And so I remember one of them who said, hey, Jen, when you do a pelvic exam, you don't just put the speculum in and just drive by and completely ignore the vulva. Like you got to stop and you got to look at the vulva, look at the health of the skin before you start focusing on like just getting the pap smear done and getting it all done. That might sound really obvious, but you have to be mindful here is that it might sound subtle, but sometimes we just, we don't think about that. The other thing too, is that when we're doing an exam, we also need to think not just about, okay, we got to get the pap smear to make sure she doesn't have cervical cancer. We got to do the swab for gonorrhea and chlamydia. We got to stop and think about what are these pelvic floor muscles doing? It's actually very easy if you know the anatomy of the pelvis to use one finger or two finger and feel along the muscles and say, hmm, something is not right here. But I absolutely acknowledge that maybe not everybody has been trained this way, or people who've gone to an OBGYN before feel like this has never been part of their evaluation. But I do want you to know that we do know how to do this. And it's actually very easy to diagnose if you know what you're looking for. So for example, in vaginismus, when we place two fingers in the vagina, we can very easily see that the slightest touch might cause pain, or the muscles feel like these tight rubber bands. And it's very clear and obvious when you are feeling one side of the pelvis and you feel, oh, those muscles feel fine. And you go to the other side and the person says, ah, that's where it hurts. And you feel these muscles are just like, ah, just rubber bands that are stretched tight. It's pretty easy. But there's also a more advanced diagnosis. I don't want to act like it's always so straightforward. You can do something called electromyography, which is like an EMG to test the electrical impulses. So you can see basically how contracted these muscles are. That's basically the diagnosis. The treatment for almost everybody with vaginismus, and I'm going to be real, almost anybody with pelvic floor pain or vulvar pain, the treatment is a good pelvic floor physical therapist. The data shows us that working with a good pelvic floor PT works, and not in like 100 sessions or for the rest of your life, like a smaller number of sessions, like 8 to 10 focus sessions can actually work. And not just for the pain, but for sexual function and then for mood too. Now, there are other things that may also help with things like vaginismus, like topical numbing cream, taking muscle relaxants, anti-anxiety medications, even Botox injections, because just like you use them on your face to relax the muscles so you don't look so angry all the time, same kind of thing with the pelvic floor muscles. But usually these things are often only successful when they're also done with physical therapy by the same time. So your treatment team might include that pelvic floor physical therapist. It might include a counselor, whether it's a cognitive behavioral therapist or a sex therapist, may include pain specialist. It may sound like a lot, but even starting with the validation of this is your diagnosis and here's some education around it and knowing that you don't always have to feel this way can be a huge first step. Oh, and hey, guess what? It's time for this week's Class Is In Session, where we hit up this week's teachable moment. Welcome to the health class you wish you had in high school. This week's topic is about physical therapy. And no, I'm not talking about for your torn rotator cuff or your low back pain. Although, listen, I'm 41 and I've got the back pain too, and that's a whole other conversation for probably a different podcast. But let's talk about pelvic floor physical therapy. 
a specialty you may not have even heard of, but one I want every single person walking this earth with a vagina to know about because they are worth their weight in gold. So pelvic floor physical therapists are just that, physical therapists that specialize and specifically treat this area. They have done additional training and usually generally mainly focus on this area. They can treat conditions of high pelvic muscle tone, so meaning like those muscles are really contracted, but also low pelvic floor muscle tone. So maybe there's some weakness that we're seeing. We might see that in people with prolapse or after childbirth. And both of these can lead to all sorts of issues. Here's what an appointment with a pelvic floor physical therapist looks like. It usually starts off with a good physical exam, which kind of makes sense, but you might think, oh, they're just going to examine my pelvis. Not quite. They're also gonna check out your core, your back, your hips, your joints, because like the song says, it's all connected, the hip bones connected to, I don't know, whatever. It's all connected. So just like anybody who's injured their back, they know that other parts of their body might hurt too, because when things get thrown out of alignment, everything can sort of go haywire. So your physical therapist will check all of these. And when it does come to doing an exam on your pelvis, that, that does mean an internal exam. This is one of those things where it's really important that you feel comfortable with the person that you are seeing, that you feel comfortable in the space. And yes, it's fine if the first time you go, maybe you don't feel quite ready for an internal exam yet. Maybe you just sort of want to talk and do the outside stuff or just do, you know, things that don't require any examination of the pelvis because you're really worried about that. And I hear you. It's an intimate thing. And so you have to feel comfortable. But here is what an internal exam by a pelvic floor physical therapist looks like. You know, they'll have gloves on, they'll use lubrication. And of course they will stop when something hurts. But the goal here is to see what's going on with your muscles. So just like I said, we do in our office and in a gynecologist's office, we can put in one finger or two and feel the different muscles. They'll do the same thing. They're also gonna see, you know, what is the tone like? Do they seem like they're super, super tight or super relaxed? Can you do a Kegel? Can you also do that Kegel and then relax afterwards? Because for some people whose pelvises are, you know, the muscles are chronically contracted, when you're asked to say, okay, relax these muscles, you don't even realize you're contracting them, so you can't even relax them, which is part of what PT is going to help you with. And sometimes your physical therapist might even end up diagnosing you with something completely different than your doctor. And that's okay. You may have come to the office with one diagnosis and your PT says, you know what, I really think it's this. And it's about your doctor and your PT working together. And truly your pelvic floor physical therapists are experts in this area. So it's really more of a team-based relationship, if that makes sense. So how do they actually end up helping you? So once your PT knows what's going on, they can develop a treatment plan. And sometimes it involves one or all of these things. First up, myofascial release. So myo means muscle and fascia, think of it like the saran wrap that wrap around your nerves and wrap around the muscles. And sometimes when your muscle is in a chronic state of being contracted, or maybe it's from a prior injury or a surgery, these things get stuck. And so your PT will gently stretch the muscles with the goal of lengthening the pelvic floor, right? Helping it to relax and lengthen, which increases blood flow, which helps all that lactic acid wash out. And then more blood flow means looser, happier, well-oxygenated, longer muscles and less pain. Sometimes they might identify areas which are like little trigger points. Think of them as tender little nodules, like little balls of muscle. You know how sometimes you get a knot in your back? Well, think of it like that in your pelvis. And so they can do something called a trigger point release where they specifically massage or try to loosen a specific area. 
So they may do that with massage. Some providers will also do it with injecting Botox or anesthetics with the goal that then helps the muscle relax more. And then with ongoing pelvic floor work and some more mindfulness, it won't form back up again. They may also do something called pelvic floor retraining, which I know might sound a little out there, but it's literally retraining your pelvic floor to be in a relaxed, non-contracted hypertonic state. And sometimes they do this by using something called biofeedback. So the point of this is usually to teach your pelvis how to release and not strengthen. Usually we think of going to physical therapy as like strength and get the muscles stronger, do your Kegels. Everybody's always told to do Kegels. And honestly, a lot of people don't need to do Kegels. And for some people it makes it worse, especially people with pelvic pain. So this is the opposite. This is like retraining your pelvis to chill. And you can put these little electrodes on the muscles and you can watch on the screen your physical therapist can say, okay, contract and tighten, and you see it go up. And then they'll say, okay, go ahead and relax. And then you see the little squiggly line go down. And so you're going, okay, I see that. So now I know objectively in my pelvis, it's relaxing, like I'm doing the right thing. And it might sound very simple, but when your pelvis has been in a state of contraction for years, sometimes it can be really hard to just quote unquote relax. So having this visual cue can be super duper helpful. Your pelvic floor physical therapist may also recommend dilators, also known as vaginal trainers. Yes, I'm talking about dildos, but I'm talking about ones that are used for the exact purpose of helping you go from something being painful to not painful. And there, if you've seen these or if you've done PT before, you'll see that these come in a range of sizes. Some, you know, starting off as tiny as your pinky. And the goal is that you start with something small and you learn to tolerate that, that it doesn't hurt. Make sure that things are comfortable before you slowly go up to what you decide is a good size for you. These can also be used on your own. So you might initially do this work in the office. And then when you are in the comfort of your own home, you can also use these too. And they can be used on your own to kind of help release or relax these muscles. There's a lot more that can be done with a pelvic floor physical therapist when it comes to vaginismus and lots of other vulvovaginal pelvic floor disorders. But the point is they are important. They are not a quick fix but they are an investment of time worth making. How do you find one? I'll put in the show notes, but the International Pelvic Pain Society is a good place to start. There are lots of other places too. Every good OBGYN has a pelvic floor physical therapist worth their weight in gold in their back pocket. So you can always go ahead and ask your healthcare provider, but if not, you can check out that website too. Okay, class dismissed. So by now you might be wondering what caused this? Like, what did I do to myself to give myself vaginismus? And I'm so glad you asked. Granted, that's me asking, but I'm so glad you were also having that same question. The answer of what caused vaginismus, a lot of things can cause it, but you are not to blame. Lots of things can cause the pelvic floor muscles to freak out, lock up, or not work in unison. For example, let's talk about chronic yeast infections. Let's say you have a yeast infection, you treat it, it gets better. You have another one that comes back. Then you notice a lot of burning on the vulva. That hurts. Trust me, anybody who's had a gnarly yeast infection knows. With that pain, your muscles clench up. Maybe you try to have sex. It hurts even more. You clench up your muscles more. You finally treat that infection. The next time you have sex, now you're worried it's going to hurt. So your muscles are clenching up in anticipation. And do you see the pain spiral that we're going down? That's just one example of how something that has nothing to do with your pelvic floor muscles can definitely end up affecting them. Here are some other causes. 
It could be an injury. Maybe you fell off a bike or you got in a car accident, childbirth, improper form during exercise, stress. And I mean, seriously, check what your muscles feel like when you're angry or stressed at work, right? A lot of us carry this stress in our lower abdomen or back or pelvis. Also sitting forever at work, not having access to bathrooms and having to regularly hold your pee in for hours and hours upon end can lead to pelvic floor dysfunction. Having pelvic surgery. I mean, lots of these are reasons that can really screw up your pelvic floor and lead to issues like vaginismus. And so far, I haven't addressed the elephant in the room. So I do want to say content warning here. I am going to talk about abuse, but prior traumatic experiences with sex, abuse, forms of violence, all of these can absolutely make having sex in the future more difficult because of that trauma that you've got, your anticipatory pain, your clenching, your holding in, and all for very legitimate reasons. Do you note how I've never said that the reason you have vaginismus is because it's all in your head? And that's because it's not. That is absolutely not what's going on here. And this is why I wholeheartedly believe that a pelvic floor physical therapist is essential in treating many of these issues. But keep in mind, they're often part of a bigger team, all working together with your health in mind. Okay, we are going to do this week's Clitorally segment, where I am busting myths and common misconceptions. And clitorally and literally, I want to tell you, I cannot stand this. And normally in this segment, I post a TikTok but I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you clearly and literally, this is what I cannot stand this week. And I got no TikTok to go with it, but it's when doctors tell their patients who come in and say they can't get a tampon in or they can't have sex that, well, you just need to relax. You need to drink a glass of wine. You just need to have more sex. Clitorally, WTF. This is the worst advice ever. Not only is this not at all taking into account what's going on, delving into something more, doing an exam, giving somebody a diagnosis, you're blaming them and saying, well, you're just too uptight and that's why you can't do it. So you're shaming them. You're basically brushing it off. And I think that women and people with a vagina, we've been brushed off too many times when it comes to issues with sex. So I literally, literally say I cannot. Honestly, it's the exact opposite of what you need to do. It's about getting a diagnosis and yes, paying more attention than ever. So it's the opposite of drinking wine that I recommend. And in fact, I love how this sex therapist explains how mindfulness during sex can actually be really important if you're having issues with your pelvic floor. So let's take a listen to this advice that I think is actually good advice. When it comes to sex, most of us were taught not to pay attention. Maybe our parents avoided talking about sex, or maybe they used words to refer to our genitals that weren't anatomically correct. So in our culture, there's generally a lot of avoidance around sexuality. Mindfulness, really, when it comes down to it, is just the opposite of avoidance. It's allowing ourselves to approach sexuality, to be curious about our sexuality, and ultimately to enjoy our sexuality without shame and without hiding. Pleasure and number of orgasms during sex is correlated with something called erotic focus, or the ability to center our thoughts and experiences on what's going on in our bodies rather than the things that make us anxious. Anxiety is one of the number one complaints I get from folks who are having difficulty with sex, and mindfulness has been shown to decrease anxiety, to increase blood flow, and to increase relaxation during sex. It's a common misconception that mindfulness means having a totally blank mind or totally being out of your head, when in reality, it's absolutely possible to be mindful while still being somebody with lots of thoughts and lots of feelings. Mindfulness is really less about getting out of your head and more about being intentional with which thoughts and feelings you choose to focus on and pay attention to. So this is why a therapist, and not just of the physical therapy kind, can be really helpful. 
Therapy can include relaxation techniques, both mentally and physical, you know, muscle relaxation techniques that can break that pain or anxiety spiral. And it can give you different ways to channel your energy, like breathing, visualization, slowing your heart rate. You can even walk around with powerful affirmation statements. So when you start to freak out, like, oh my gosh, I'm about to have sex and it's going to hurt. You can say, okay, I know I'm in a safe space. If something hurts, they'll stop. I'm going to take five deep breaths and I'm going to lower my heart rate. All of these things can be really helpful, especially in somebody who's had prior pain with sex, pain with tampon insertion, or has been blown off before in the doctor's office. Now, how to find a good therapist? Sometimes it's trial and error and you have to figure out one that works for you. Sometimes you just, you know, it's like making new friends. Sometimes you get along well with somebody and sometimes you don't. I will link to the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health, also known as Ishwish. <laughs> I love that. I will link to them below. They do have resources on their websites that can be helpful. Okay, last thing I need to hit here that I know probably some of you are wondering, what do I do if my doctor isn't listening? What if my doctor does tell me to relax? Or what if I'm just worried I'm going to walk in and they're just going to stare at me and have no issues or say, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not a sex therapist. Here are some things you can do. One, arm yourself with information. That's what you're doing right now listening to this podcast. That book I mentioned, When Sex Hurts, it's a great book. It's another thing that can really help, especially if you want to feel informed before you go into your doctor's office. I also really think it's a great idea if you're in the office with them and you feel like they're struggling or maybe you're communicating electronically over an electronic chart and you want to be like, hey, I'm coming in next week for this. I'm a little concerned. My last doctor wasn't so great. Here's a website that I know helped me and Maybe we can talk about it together. So you can ask them to look at the National Vulvodynia Association or the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health websites, either with you or on their own. And a good healthcare provider should always be open to learning, if not red flag. Um, and I'll put those links again at the end. And if you're told it's all in your head after all this, that is the biggest red flag and is a great opportunity to move on to somebody else. And I apologize if this happens and you even have to, because opening yourself up at an office visit, like a gynecologist visit, is already very intimate and takes a lot and very vulnerable. So to be shut down if you bring this up, I just I just want to say don't give up. Help us out there. So for Anna, I can't say that you have vaginismus or vulvodynia, but I can tell you that tampons shouldn't be so hard to insert that you feel like you're hitting a wall or there's burning or severe pain. Some of the things I mentioned today could be what's going on. I highly recommend you have an appointment. There could also be other things that I haven't even addressed here today such as different ways that the vagina is formed and that kind of thing that's beyond the scope of this podcast. But at the end of the day, you deserve care and this should be something that your healthcare provider should partner with you and you should be able to get some good help. So in summary, pelvic pain can be common, but it's not normal. Disorders like vaginismus and vulvodynia often have a few names and some of them are like really long. But the point is there are true disorders and they can be diagnosed and treated. A pelvic floor physical therapist, they are worth their weight in gold. Everybody in my field who knows one loves them. And until next week, know that you are not broken. There are good resources out there. You deserve to feel happy, safe, and secure. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, my friends. Okay, it's that time where I ask you to rate, review, and follow on your favorite podcast app because we know that's how we get more people talking. So call in at 503-893-2016 and join me online at Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. So let's keep the conversation going, my friends. Call in, leave a question, and know that it's okay to have questions about your body and we're gonna answer them.